Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin, Season 2. Rebel Guru Radio is sponsored by Cramp Medic, the most powerful cramp-fighting supplement on the market. Cramp Medic is a fast-acting muscle cramp supplement with active ingredients magnesium malate, apple cider vinegar, and it has cayenne pepper to expand blood flow for rapid delivery of powerful key electrolytes and micronized mineral-dense cramp-fighting nutrients, a combined effect that aids in helping essential nutrients penetrate into tight, knotted muscles. This easy-to-take supplement is made for quick response to legs, foot, and other muscle cramps and is designed to rapidly provide relief to cramps and spasms of all kinds. Whether the cause is dehydration, lactic acid buildup, nerve damage, pinched nerves, muscle fatigue, strained muscles, or mineral depletion, Cramp Medic contains a synergistic fusion of 11 powerful, all-natural ingredients that each address cramping on their own. We've combined these ingredients into a specially formulated blend so that you can get relief fast and prevent future cramping from occurring. Cramp Medic for all 650 human muscles. You can order a bottle of Cramp Medic by visiting our website, crampmedic.com, or look it up on Amazon. Magnetic Pill, specially formulated for advancing meditators by advanced meditators. Designed by the rebel guru himself, Eric Pepin, Magnetic Pill was made to enhance results with all higher balance training. Accelerate sensory development, achieve deeper meditations, better overall focus, and so much more. Go to magneticpill.com forward slash rebel for $10 off every month or get a three-month supply with our buy two, get one free special. Okay, then. Uh, I'm not sure how we're going to do this, uh, but uh, I'm going to start off with a couple things. Um, I just want to talk about how we're doing this, and we're doing this as a sponsor. So tonight is free from Cramp Medic. Okay. And uh, that's a launch we've uh, been working on for a while. COVID has certainly thrown a wrench in the system, getting it up and running and delays and up and down and whatnot. But uh, we're kind of cranking away slowly and we're gaining steam. And uh, I think it's an excellent product. A couple of things I want to say out there is that uh, some people have said that it's a, it's a little strong tasting or, uh, you know, whatnot. And I just wanted to recommend people that just doing a half a scoop uh, is actually going to be almost as effective as a full scoop. So you don't have to quite drink it at full strength. We'll call it at uh, half strength or normal strength being a half a scoop. We'll change the labor in the next batch. But uh, that's what I have to say about it. But I could tell you, uh, I was trying to find a new one. I have two and I've just about finished uh, uh, this one up and the other one out there, I've already gotten into it. I can honestly say for myself, and this is, of course, uh, difficult to say because it's coming from me, but I hope you take my word on it. I don't think there's anything out there better than Cramp Medic for leg cramps. Uh, I used to get them on a near daily basis, maybe every couple of days. I know that uh, when I had my motorcycle or bicycle, uh, my legs would be the worst. I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain. Uh, there have been times where I've thought about maybe I should go to the emergency room. Uh since I've used Cramp Medic, this is a hell of a pitch. I swear to God, it's true. 
I probably use one serving and I will not have to reach into using this again, probably for two, two and a half weeks. That is more than double what I felt was the recommended like once for every seven days. That's how effective it is. I do think that people need to use it for two to three times to build up somehow in your, in your system. Um, and I know that some people, one person had wrote a review, which we had mainly all positive reviews. Thank you, everybody, uh, that they had gotten uh, sour to their stomach or diarrhea or whatever. I mean, there's there's apple cider vinegar in this. There is cayenne pepper. Apple cider vinegar is what is going to reduce, uh, you know, acid uh, buildup in your muscle tissue very rapidly. Cayenne pepper is going to expand your capillaries to move that blood into those tight cramping muscles that just do not want to let blood in there to soften it. Um, so if you got sensitivity, be careful, start off with a smaller amount, but it is very, very effective. It is going to get in there. Electrolytes very fast. It's going to do with the job. It's going to, it's just a great product. And that's what I have to say about it. So we'll move on to other stuff. Uh, crampmedic.com. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is the higher balance Institute store HBI or higherbalance.com. Uh, we've worked very hard at reducing and slashing the pricing, trying to keep it as a mainstay price forum. Uh, people have said over the years, it's too expensive for them and they can't afford it. Uh, I don't know what the next excuse is going to be because it is extremely affordable. Um, we're doing our best to do that. Having Cramp Medic, finding other stuff to maneuver around so we can keep this thing going uh, has allowed us to bring those prices down. Uh, we do have a lot, a lot of material, a lot of classes that are really excellent, I feel. Uh, you know, going probably for several dollars, some of those classes, uh, probably at least 70, 80% off of what we charge, maybe even more. Uh, one thing we may do is maybe change around in the store, like uh, uh, bi-monthly or something, which modules we're offering, because there's so many, I think people get lost in it. So if there is something you want, I strongly suggest you grab it before we start moving it around, but it will come available again. It just may take six months to a year before the, all those other ones start arriving uh, back for availability. And we're going to start taking down some probably to try to keep some organization to just the, the bulk of uh, information there, which I'm very proud of. Um, so that's what I have to say on that. Please check out Higher Balance Institute. Uh, you know, or higherbalance.com and uh, support Higher Balance. Please get uh, and try out uh, Cramp Medic for family, friends, anybody who has leg muscle problems or any kind of muscle problems in particular. It, it truly is the best product out there. No foams, no creams. You don't have to run to the bathroom if you're working at the office to put on foams on your leg by pulling on your pants and trying to get to your legs. Uh, no need for tablets. One shot, seven days, phenomenal. Okay, that's my song and dance on all of that. Let's get down to the real stuff now. Anybody got any questions out there regarding what I just talked about? You know, I, I want to back up because I didn't want tonight's class to be, you know, we have a tendency at HBI that a lot of people who are in the know and do Saroon, you know, tend to be the ones that, that do these kind of classes and end up, you know, being able to ask the questions and right away, they're the questions that are burning away at them that they have background information or background story on. And so my concern is, is that how many people who, who are maybe new or just listening to this, 
you know, don't know maybe what we're talking about or don't understand the the intricacies of what, you know, you're asking, you know, what's the backstory? And Eric believes in simulated reality, yada, yada, yada. So I, I want to kind of just cover as quickly as I can some some basics. One, I do believe we live in a simulated reality. Two, um, and I shouldn't number them off because they a lot, but I do not believe that it's on some kind of desktop computer or or some kid is running the universe or it's anything that most people can uh, perceive in their intellectual level in our day and age. Uh, you could say that your consciousness is capable of creating a simulated reality by a dream world. And that dream world, you're able to talk to other people in your dream and have conversations. In fact, even learn things. Uh, you have no limit to the depths of the ocean or how far you can go out into space. It is essentially, for all intents and purposes, a, a virtual reality that is on a detail level that is mind-blowing. You can feel, you can smell, you can taste, you can hear, you can have emotions. It is as real as real reality minus the fact that some of it becomes very surreal to the practical level of how we may perceive things in this current reality. Having said that, I think one of the simplest ways to consider it is to go old school and say that, that, you know, reality is an illusion. And another way to saying that is, is that maybe, maybe God is a conscious being throughout the universe and that all of this is God's dream, just like we are a smaller version, a macro version, a, a macro to the, to the micro uh, of creating something very similar in a world within a world within a world. In other words, we are in the reality of God in a sense, or a reality. And we are creating realities on a lower level inside of that, which you're tearing down in different levels. There's different ways to look at it. Um, but I do believe that we are in a simulated reality and that all things paranormal, which do not make any logic in many situations as to ghosts and spirits and objects that move or, you know, things moving through physical uh, walls or all phenomenon in a, in a certain view do not make much sense to our understanding of reality from a scientific um, perspective. When we look at it, that reality may be a simulated reality. It, it really is a game changer because now we can somewhat wrap our minds around how all these things are possible or how a person who is awoken or becomes conscious or becomes enlightened is able to bend the rules to physics or to reality in this sense of our reality. How are these things possible? Well, code can be hacked. And if reality is a, a form of matrix or a simulation, then in all likelihood, it can be influenced and it can be hacked. So when people ask me about the white room, what they're referring to is a kind of statement that we've created that there is a source that is perhaps where reality is generated from or what we consider our reality, that there is a, another place. Or it's to say that for, for eons, spiritual people do not feel that reality is fully real. We can smell, we can hear, we can taste, we can do all these senses, but there's something that is nagging continuously, making us question reality itself. And 
it eludes us because our senses do not seem to be able to decipher it. And hence why I've said for decades that the psychic sense is the bridging sense between whatever this reality is and whatever's behind the curtain per se of reality. It is the means, it is the sensory, okay? Like touch, smell, hearing, yada. It is the sense that, that rather than using your touch to grab something or your ears to hear something to denote a feeling or emotion being orchestrated to you or your eyes to taking colors and view, that the sixth sense is made for your consciousness to, to bridge from this reality to whatever or whatever is the source by which creating all of this. So by developing your sixth sense, I have said for decades that it is a means, a tool to begin bridging whatever is beyond this and to bringing it to your forward consciousness into this moment. Having said that, the question being um, uh, proposed is, is there a negative energy that is influencing, I would say, our reality uh, that is in the white room or that space outside of it? And that's a very um, complex question. And I would say that there are a lot of things that are true here that are true there. If we accept the idea that there are negative influences in our reality, then I would probably say that our reality is based in a fair amount off of whatever reality is generating us. Therefore, the answer to the question is, is, is that that form of energy is just as real here as it is there and vice versa. Michael, I'll let you have the ball at this point. So, in the white room, what I'm hearing you say is that there's going to be a similarity in this reality in the white room. Um, makes calm, it makes sense. So outside of the white room, there's another force that's impacting it there. So there is another force that's impacting us in this reality. I, I think that we need to to take into some things into consideration. Okay, one is that we are human in the sense that that this is where we are at this moment and we have a tendency to want to perceive things from a viewpoint like that we make the assumption we have a physical organic body we have an assumption that the things that we relate with uh, in that place are, in a sense, like picking up a container. It's a container. It looks like a container. It looks like a square. It looks like boards. It looks like wood or shape or metal or rounded edges. And there is in that a sense that there is a lot of work to be done to have our minds begin to grasp uh, what is in the white room. What is truly the white room? It's, it's to say, in a sense, that you can have a dream, and in that dream, you can have all the things we're seeing now. You can have a conversation like we are now. You can dream all this, and it'll be very real. And then the question that would be proposed to you is, is that where is the source of the, the, the room, if somebody were to ask you that in your dream, from which you are receiving this reality, meaning the person asking you that in the dream? So do they perceive or do you perceive a body, meaning your body that's sleeping, laying down in bed, having a dream and that you've become aware that that's that's where your true consciousness is. And the next question would be, 
but is that real? Or wouldn't it be more true to say that you are an organic brain that is got folds and neurons and electrons shooting around and various chemicals and it's all firing around like a computer in a sense building creating these things and modeling it after how it's wired itself into a construct a machine a vehicle that senses smells and tastes this dimension or at least tells us that what we're doing so the the, the thing is is that i want people to be very careful and to consider what i'm saying that part of the problem with understanding what's in the white room is that perhaps you are looking to see what's in the white room through the perspective of wearing glasses that are very human-like. And that in itself prevents you from piercing the veal. Back in your court, Michael. So let's just simply say the white room is a generator. And and it generates this reality. Okay. Is there is there something outside of the generator, it negatively influencing that generator? What okay. seems so, to be so, easier. So let me let me give an, an easier answer to the question. Okay. Uh, I think that there is two forces. There's a negative and positive polarity. You can say yin and yang. You can say creation and destruction. You can say ebb and flow. You could say that life in part is possible on earth because you have the moon creating disturbance, which is creating gravity, which creates waves. The waves thus create movement. Movement creates a form of life or to say that a stagnant pond is dead and that a moving pond is got life in it because it's oxygenated. So in the simplest terms, you could say, are there two forces of energy that are going on to create the third result, the third result being consciousness or creating a simulated reality? So the answer is, is, is yes. What I think people are trying to relate to in human terms, is it like something that's the dark side? Is it something like the force? And I don't want people to have such a simplistic understanding of something. And that's why I'm, I'm like, it, it's going to need better conversations. Okay. Um, um, so, so the, the, this is a simpler question that came to my mind. You, you've you seem to have had an interest with the possibility of Bigfoot or Sasquatch, and I've been looking into it. And if you were to run into one of these beings, what would you hope to gain from it? Well, I'm curious, just like anybody else. I mean, there's so many things I've experienced in a paranormal world, but I've never come across a Bigfoot. And it's it's largely due to the fact that I'm just kind of expanding my curiosities and I don't want to leave any stone unturned. So I have decided, OK, well, you know, Bigfoot probably landed in my lap during COVID, you know, when when I was kind of just either bored or whatever, and it just piqued my curiosity. Uh, I'm still unsure whether I think Bigfoot is real or not real. I'm still trying to process that. I haven't experienced myself. I've experienced entities. I've experienced phenomenon. I've experienced all sorts of crazy things. So I have very strong opinions about those things and what I've learned from them and, and how I've interacted with them. But I've never interacted or experienced a Bigfoot. So I'm simply very curious and I can only model my thoughts on, on stuff like like that based on, you know, secondhand information, which I'm, again, very skeptical of. I got a question in the chat here. All right. 
Okay, it says, I've been meditating a lot lately. And what I find sometimes at night, I feel like I'm getting absorbed in my mind chakra, almost like I'm going somewhere in my mind. Um, well, the, the, again, these kind of questions um, are really pertinent to the person who's asking the question. In other words, what I'm saying is if that person is doing the session that we we've done with the Gans flicker and that's where their mind is at and that's what they're working on, then I have a different answer for them. If that person hasn't been doing the Gans flicker and they haven't been involved with that, then I have a different answer for them because I think that it depends where your primary focus is uh, of late is going to dictate the direction to what you're experiencing. Let me try to find a better way to explain that. Um, when you meditate and clear your mind, you should be emptying your mind and you should be bringing in prana and you should be clearing your mind, basically emptying it. And when you do that, it's like a reset. It, it, it reactivates neurons in your brain. It makes it so you can think better, clearer. You can apply yourself to other stuff. It sharpens your mind significantly. Okay. Um, when you meditate, the goal isn't really to try to experience something, although something may come to you. Okay. You may have an experience. Okay. And likely eventually will. Okay. But for the most part, you're bringing in energy into your body. You're heightening your sensory, at least if you're doing the meditation that we teach, uh, you're raising your psychic sensory. Okay. And therefore, after the fact, you will have also different kinds of experiences. If that person currently does meditate, but they have currently been actively doing the, the cube, you know, class that we did or working with Gans Flicker, then their mind right now is, is really stimulating what I'll call their, their mind chakra or stimulating their, their third eye. Okay. And what's happening is, is that the Gans Flicker effect when you look with your eyes open, we'll give you, and some of them I did see, we're talking about, there's, there's this tunneling effect. There is no tunnel, okay? But you see a tunnel because your mind is wanting to move forward. It's trying to look for something. It's trying to associate the experience as if you're in a physical body. Okay, like you have virtual reality on and there's a part of you that's dodging or you creep across the bridge because you think there's really a, a pitfall below you because you see it with your eyes. But in reality, there's not a pitfall there. It's just the floor. It's carpeting. So when you are doing the Gans flicker, your mind is slowly becoming the computer that's generating the visual effect. And you're in the beginning stages of that effect. It's, it's like learning how to start dialing you in. So you see this tunnel and you start to project through it. Okay. If you meditate and you've done that session and it's a day or three days later, your, your mind, the whole part of doing the Gans flicker is to train you to be able to do certain things without doing the Gans flicker effect. So you're, you're marrying the things that you learned into something you're doing, and you're likely doing it unconsciously. So if it's something new, it's likely that's where it's coming from. I don't know if that's helping or not. Yeah, I think there is, uh, it sounds to me like it, maybe it's the fear of, 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 of death really coming out as, as their, maybe their mind chakra is expanding so much and, and they're going into another state where maybe there's like fear or hesitation because they feel like they're getting absorbed in it. That's just my interpretation. 
Well, I, I don't disagree with that interpretation. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the tunnel, if you, you have to remember something. So the tunnel is representing you going through a metamorphosis, if you will. And often the majority of experiences you have in Gans Flicker, it it's not so much about, let me talk about a little bit about ayahuasca. Okay, let's just, let me just come at this completely different. When a person does ayahuasca, and I am not promoting to do ayahuasca, that's not my point, okay? But there is a, a point when one does ayahuasca that you go through a death scenario and you fight it and it gets really bad and it gets, it gets crazy. And, you know, this is what a lot of people say. I've gone through my own experience when I have experimented with it. And it gets more and more extreme if the person fights the experience, because you kind of subconsciously know that you have to die, even though you, you, you may know somewhere that you're not really dying. It's just the fact that, you know, you you think you're dying. So you fight to live. Okay. And it is only through the surrender of your life as you know it. Okay. That you are rebirthed to something like the white room per se. So, when one goes through the tunneling, the tunnel always feels like there's this distance. It's like you never quite get to the end of it. You start to see something, but it's not there. It is anxiety. It is the need to control the experience or have some kind of control. And really what the person should be trying to do is to surrender and trust your inner self and know that no harm is going to come to you. But you, you've got to surrender this kind of control because you because and i've tried to explain this so many times the control that you're trying to control is a body kind of control it's like how you would pick something up or how you physically would move through a room or move your body and you're in a complete different dimension and it's like free falling in the air you can't kick your feet you 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 know and move somewhere you can't swim through the air unless it's a dream you can't you don't have no control you have to completely learn to use your body to use the the air against it in order to maneuver your body and that takes practice or it's like not knowing how to swim and falling in water you're completely operating in a way that makes no sense and isn't going to help you in any way shape or form in that body of water until you find a way calmly if you can to to reorganize yourself and create a method or a process by or learn a process to handle that situation and to be able to move or create movement in a direction you want when you have this tunneling effect the reason why it's always at this distance is the reason why it's it's other stuff that's not always coming in is because your go-to in your mind is is trying to find a way to bring it to you or to go to it. And it is, it is in a sense, it's like you have to surrender and it's really a deep emotion. It's a guttural thing. Okay. But once you've done it enough, it's you, you, you know, it's, I guess it's supposed it's as fearful as not knowing how to swim. I mean, you're terrified. And then when you, you think you, you got it, you still stress. As long as there's a 10th of a bit of stress, it's always not going to come in for you. Does that help at all? It definitely helps me. I have another one here. All right. Uh, During meditation with eyes closed, I'm now frequently getting flashing white light. I assume this is because of the upgrade. Is this connecting to the white room? If yes, then is there anything I can be doing to help increase access to the white room in that moment besides appreciating the effect? 
Yeah, you need to think about everything I just said because all of it is still pertinent. Until you get to really strong visuals, and if you are still getting white flashes, if you're still getting tunneling, if you're still getting kind of static on and off, you you are still fighting the system. You are still trying to see it in a sense through your earthly interpretation of what you should see. And you, you know, you, you have to remember there's so many things. When I wrote um uh the the uh handbook of the navigator, I put in there this little thing where you got to count the letter Fs. And I asked people to read it and to count how many letter Fs like in Frank that they see. And they'll say, oh, there's there's three there. And I'll be like, no, there's like nine or 10 there. And they're like, no, no, no. And they'll go back and use their finger real closely and count them all. They'll be like, no, there's three. Everybody knows the story who's been around, okay? Bottom line is your brain edits information from you. You have to remember that lesson. And that's what I was trying to say decades ago, okay? That, that you have to learn to think outside of your normal practice of awareness, that that in itself is a practice, that that when you are seeing the flashes, you're getting excited. You're you're thinking something's going to happen. You're thinking, you know, oh, I'm almost there. Gosh, I, I wish it would start coming through. You're already starting to think maybe this is the white room. Maybe it's flicking in and flicking out. It's supposed to be white. So this must be it. Or there's something different happening. You have to use everything you've learned in meditation to shut that down. When I say want for nothing, I mean wanting for nothing. You you've got to empty your head from from all these moments of excitement from this this need to to understand what you're going to see because when you try to understand something, you're using information from that you have from your everyday life. And you use that kind of like like lenses. It's like having um, a mannequin that's made of glass and you're looking at it, but you can't tell whether it's a male or female. You can't tell what the bone structure really is. It's like really better than glass. Okay, so you have to start applying makeup to it. And so you choose to use makeup that is skin tone and you color in the, the what you think are the eyes and you start putting what are lines for the hair and when you're done, you realize it wasn't a human at all, but you, but it's something that maybe was a, a, a moose or it was a, a, a car or it was something else. Okay. So you, you have to, to allow the experience to come to you, like let it manifest on its own. When I say to you guys that, that almost everything, like I put it on all of the, the original cubes, there, there's a flower and that flower is in a bulb. You, if you try to peel it open, you ruin the flower. You, you can't do it. You have to, to give it sunlight. You have to give it this kind of empathetic, just trust and love like sunlight. And when it opens, it will open fully perfectly for you to experience, to smell, to savor, to taste. So what I'm saying is, is that when you guys are having these moments where there's a tunnel, where there's flickering, where there's white flashing, where there's any of this phenomenon, you have to almost take a deep breath and relax. And just, just, it's, it's like saying, love the, the bulb of the flower and don't worry and don't care about its blooming. Look at the perfection and experience for what it's sharing with you at that moment and how majestic and how perfect. 
be aware of all the granular hairs in it, the fibers, the nervous system, the threading of it, the, the cellular structure of it is a different kind of beauty. It's like the universe wants to know that you are appreciating on a micro level before you get to the big, the big end, you know, the big, the big thing it's, you know, it's, it's, it's to say savor instead of running to the next best thing. And that it is through that savoring, that appreciation, that, that wonder, okay, that it, it, in a sense, begins to reveal itself more fully to you. Lastly, you have to understand something that there are things that this goes back to the, to the, to the story of the island. Everything I've ever taught you has been preparing you for this kind of knowledge, this moment, this time that we're in, that, that, when the ship came from the Spaniards and the 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 natives from South America, uh, they couldn't see the ship. It was sitting not that far out, very close to them, docked with anchor. There was boats rowing out. They were massive. They couldn't see anything. Just look water, and they see the shaman staring out, and the shaman's making trying to figure out what what it is he's trying to see because he can see nothing. And as he concentrates and lets himself flow in a way, he begins to see a squiggly line. He begins to see something on the squiggly line. He begins to see some kind of brown structure, and it looks like a mirage on a, on a highway to to through the desert, but it's on the water. And he begins to see what looks like the structure of a giant sailboat, which he has never conceivably seen before. His mind has no way of interpreting what he is seeing. So it's it's desperately trying to find other things in its 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 daily life in the jungle and the mountains and the things. And it's it's trying to find what it could compare to that. So it's like maybe the best thing is a canoe. And it starts thinking about the canoe, but it doesn't match with the size or the color or the masses. So it, his brain goes, no, that's not what it is. And so it's it's wrestling to perceive this. And so it is only when he goes into a flow state through his training that it begins to become a feasible experience. And then the collective of the other Indians who, who more or less ride that mental wave or that collective thought or that hundredth monkey, if you will, they begin then too to begin to see the mirage start to manifest in front of them into reality so that their brain can wire in a sense to see it. So you are taking something far and beyond that experience. You are, in a sense, learning to walk for the first time as if you've been in a coma for, for 30 years. Your body doesn't remember how to walk. It doesn't remember how to pick something up. It's, it's like you had a stroke and you're, you damage parts of your brain and you got to relearn. You want it to do the way you want. You want it to function the way you, you think it should function, but it's not. You have to rebuild that whole neural system. So. In essence, when you have the flickering, when you see the tunnel, when you have this thing, there is this impatience, there is this drive, there's this dissatisfaction, this, this self-judgment, and that's what crushes it all. It defeats you. You have to go Zen. You have to remember your training. You have to remember, I will do this 5, 10, 15, 20 times until I get it right over a span of time, not back to back. You'll burn yourself out. But if you can find your, your sense of balance in yourself, it will begin to, to manifest for you. You have an anticipation to the white room. So you begin to think, you're thinking, oh, now I'm going to see something. So in your mind, it's like, what would you see? Let's start thinking about what you would possibly see. You're going to see a room. Maybe you'll see a person. Maybe it'll be an alien. Maybe it's going to be this or that. But it is, it is through a means of seeing that you haven't used 
probably in this lifetime. And if you have, it's only been in fragmented freak moments of chance. So the only way to, to evolve your third eye to visually see rather than being unconscious and asleep is to stimulate it in a hallucinatory way, but to push your, your, your mind in a sense to then use it to see in a true way, true sight or a true awakening to, to wherever that place is. And that the, the anticipation is, is that you shouldn't think about whether you're human or in a body or you're a machine or you're part of a, a computer or you're an MPPC player um, or whatever you are. None of that should be relevant. That if you can surrender all of those things, then and only then will you begin to, to see probably uh, much more random events. You might see an ocean. You may see a star system. You may see a spacecraft. You may see an, an immense detail, like mind-blowing detail. But because you have an expectation of what I just said, it literally almost prevents you from getting there. You have to have that self-discipline. You have to have that surrender ability, that, that clarity in your mind and just let it go and learn by what it presents to you in, in repetition over time. And eventually you learn how to move again, but in a new way, you learn how to experience, but in a new way that's completely different than, than how you are functioning at this moment. I just want to go back to what uh, your question that you answered before that the person did respond. They said, yeah, surrender the control makes sense. These days, most of the meditation in lower chakra base. So anytime I feel like it's floating away, it's freaky, I guess. So got to let go of that. That helps. Thank you. And then I got another question here. Well, let me, let me just point to something. When something feels like it's floating away, I want you to remember when you do the HBI method or you listen to what we call the tones. Okay. If you think about how hard the tones are in the very beginning, it's frustrating. Eventually with practice and not very long, you begin controlling them and you're able to, to bring them to you. But before, when you try to do that, it was nearly impossible. You had to learn to move in a new way. You had to learn a new movement. Okay. And if you don't do it long enough, like any physical activity, you lose your skill level and you have to repractice again to bring that skill level back up. So when you are, are saying that you get this, this thing where it's drifting away or whatever, you have to be okay with that. And the second that you're okay with that, you're going to find that it comes back to you. Just like the tones. When you want the tones, they evade you. When you find this other means of interacting with it, in a sense, when you accept the fact that that's going to happen and you don't care no more, but there's this inner sense of wanting to appreciate it, then all of a sudden you've learned a new movement. So you have to, to understand that if something's drifting away from you, it's not drifting away from it. You are drifting away from it. Actually, Eric, what you just talked about goes into two of the questions that are on the list that keep getting asked also in Saroon. Um, when you talked about not burning yourself out on something like the Gans flicker, what's your suggested like frequency of using those kind of things? Well, look, you, you, what you do with the Gans flicker is you are learning to do something like that. What I would say is, is that sit down and attempt to do a session and mimic that you are doing a Gans flicker, but you're going to have to do enough Gans flickers to build up that, that memory. It's just like, um, it's, once you learn the feels like of it, 
you begin to be able to mimic or recreate it without having to need to use it, but you can go back to it for a refresher, or you may be able to take it to the next level working with it. But I, in an ideal world, let me, let me, let me explain something to you differently. When you think about being in a dark room, okay, that has very low lighting. And I say, look at the static in the room, begin to have a relationship with the static in the room. And you begin to see the static in the room and your breathing goes shallow because it literally sees so much of it almost looks like smoke or you begin to see structure that's not there. Okay. But you can still see the whole room. Okay. In a way, it's the same thing. When I say, turn the lights on and look at a wall and you look at a blank wall and I say, let your mind go and see the depth of it, see it rise up with the energy of it, see the molecular structure of it. And you begin to see the little electrical lights moving around and the structure of it and everything else. In a sense, you're doing the same thing as you're doing in the Gans Flicker. You're just learning a new movement to take it to the next level. Uh, when it feels like I'm moving towards the white room, frequently I notice I have what feels like my middle pillar reaching up through the top of my head, connecting with the white room, like I'm reaching out to it. Is this a normal part of the process of accessing the white room? I think that a lot of people who are working with this now are going to have different directions that they're going to move with uh, having experiences. You're going to find that what everybody is saying is completely valid. It's, it's just simply different, different methods of approaching uh, or how their mind is choosing to approach the experience. So when somebody says they see a tunnel and this person says that they feel this moving through, through their, their like crown chakra or whatever, I don't see a difference. I just see a difference in the interpretation. There is no up or down. There is no tunnel. There is no pillar. There is, it is just a way for your mind to find a means to, to begin to feel or to explore something it doesn't understand. So when you feel it moving up through your head, or you see it as a tunnel, both of them are means of exploring the white room. It is your, when, think about it differently. You have intent. I've taught most of you guys what intent is. Intent is a desire or something that you want to achieve. You don't have to keep repeating in your head. You don't have to think about it mentally. It's it's there. It's just like you 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 have a memory of knowing you need to go shopping. You can do all the stuff you have to do all day, but you know somewhere's inside of you there's that constant understanding that you need to find the time to go shopping or do what you need to do. So that's an intent. So you you have this intent because your intent seems to be caught up on the white room. And that's probably a first mistake, by the way. So in essence, because you're thinking about the white room, you you are searching, you are you are looking through that intent to find the white room. And instead, what you really should be doing is simply trying to experience or think of it as the white room coming to you. God, that sounds just as crazy. Well, to answer the question is, is that yes, it is a form of going to the white room. 
it is a form of reaching out to the right room, but I see it like your hand reaching out for something. The problem is you can't see what it's reaching for, and therefore you have hesitancy. And when you have hesitancy with this way of approaching things, it becomes an imp impossible task or a limited one because it, it, it feels as if you don't know what the next step is. And really the true sense is, is to simply surrender to these things and allow the experience to come to you. This is a question for myself. Is it important not to over-intellectualize or conceptualize the white room? Does it almost build up more and more barriers? The more you talk about it, the more you try to understand it from this dimension. Well, yes, you, you need a basic construct. That's why we have to talk about it. You need to, to set up a, a skeletal frame, if you will. Where you begin to have a problem is, is what you begin to add to it for its structure, its flesh, its clothing, its character. That is where you have to be extremely careful, okay? Um, if you over-intellectualize, it's no different when you meditate, want for nothing. When you, when you do these things, you have to be mindful that you are not trying to imply your expectation or your desire. Hence, they say, release the ego. Okay. Ego is this control factor in a sense. So you want to remove yourself from those things and become empty because only when you're empty can whatever is left really present itself. Um, so when you over intellectualize, you're doing everything that we, what I just said not to do. You're, you're really trying to interpretate using your biological interpretation of how you perceive what life should be. And I think, as I've been saying, it is one of the hardest things to do. You know, I, I remember seeing in there, one of the questions was, was where did I think about Gans Flicker or why did I choose or whatever? I've known about Gans Flicker probably for a couple of decades now. I've wanted to do it. Probably I wanted to do it already way back when we did the uh, the black box series in, in Portland and in the, in the, in the museum or wherever we did the art institute or whatever. And but I just couldn't do everything. And the reason why I chose the Gans Flicker is because I'm always looking for the simplest way to teach something that's super difficult to understand that takes spiritual people decades to learn. OK, and. I want to, to take stuff that's extremely hard to learn and simplify it to the simplest way that I can. And I want to appeal to what I call ancient memory or residual memory or true consciousness and jar that in you to, to awaken it, to bring it forward. And I feel that that's the fastest way to give people experiences that are life-changing or awakening. And I think a lot of people don't realize that <laughs> I would say 2% of the experiences you've gotten through higher balance are probably the equivalent of 100% of 30, 40 years of most spiritual people practicing. I, I, I think that you guys are, are totally unaware of just how much you you've experienced so far. Um, but it is what it is. So the, the flicker effect is I wanted to, to teach people to use their mind to move outward and forward. 
And the GANS flicker stimulates this portion of your, your brain that in a lot of ways is the same aspect of your brain that creates your dreams, the visualness of your dreams. And it can overlay into this reality. Now, if we live in a simulation, then none of this is real anyway. And anything that we, we could say is real, it's still an interpretation of our nervous system. Uh, you know, everything that you see is, is like, I believe it's like three tenths of a second already delayed. So everything you're hearing from me, everything I'm saying, everything you're experiencing is, is already old. It's information that has to get to your brain and your brain has to organize it in such a way to tell you what you're experiencing all at the same time to make it feel like a conclusive experience. So by moving into the Gans flicker, it, it, it is activating in a sense that that visual portion of your mind and by understanding that and understanding your intent, your intent being to, to push through through whatever this is, to see a greater, higher truth, okay, then the idea is, is that you're learning how to move your mind in that direction. You're, you're learning a new movement. And, and how can you incorporate the, the Gans flicker into jumps, if that's a question we could go to? Well, a lot of people out there don't understand what jumps are. And so once again, it's I, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I need to do some kind of classes where I write out the questions so that people new can, can, can get a, a fast uh, learning process from all of this. Uh, but in either case, um, yeah, what you what you want to do is is I would probably say take your jump and figure out what it is you want to do find a way to incorporate it by maybe doing a session for five minutes where you're doing the Gans flicker and just meditate, meditate on nothing while you're doing the Gans flicker, but have the intent of what your desired outcome or your desired in, in, in moment is, or the person you're trying to influence or the building you're trying to influence the people in it or whatever program you're trying to influence. For, for instance, I want to tell people that I want them to go back to the, the Hadrian Collider. I want you to go back and I want you to do what was done already. And that is to, to remove all obstacles that are suppressing the technological advancements. Because even though you guys haven't heard much about it, I can tell you right now that it is being suppressed. I really believe it, it is and it has been. And it may be um, being suppressed by intelligences outside of, of the human race. Um, for reasons to our own advancement. Um, but that's a whole nother conversation in itself. So open up that can of worms, didn't I? Um, so I would say that in this case where you have the, the uh, facility, okay, for, um, for this, that if there's a suppression to, to prevent the acceleration of technological breakthrough, okay, they're going to suppress it. And that is one of the locations that it would be suppressed. I think that the work that was done at the time on the Hedron Collider that the jumpers did was outstanding. 
I, I, there's no question that they had an effect. There's no question that they did an incredible work at that time. I think that some of the best work that, that got noticed at least, um, cause I think they've worked on a lot of stuff and they should have a tip of the hat to those people who worked on that at that time. And I would like to see the new people with a greater amount of training circle back around and to, to reapproach that. And I would say with the Gans flicker effect, you just want, to imagine as if you're in the the hallway to that facility you want to look at images of it get familiar with it before you do the session go online uh look at all the the buildings the pictures whatever you can watch some videos or something just glean through it nothing special you don't have to be a specialist in it and when you do the gans flicker when you're ready i want you to try to see that place. I want you to choose maybe the big machine or, or whatever. Okay. And see, and, and, and imagine that, that they're having huge breakthroughs, see them excited and jumping here, see the, the, the machine firing, get the senses. If you're a part of that, get a sense of that something huge has just happened. Try to imagine that you're seeing it, even if you're not seeing it. And if you begin to see something, don't get excited about it. Just let it come to you. Okay. If it disappears, just keep doing what you were doing. Don't worry about whether you're seeing something or not, which is the biggest key. Okay. But, but imagine that part of the Gans flicker effect is literally as if you were in a 10th of a second moment of the Hedron collider exploding something. And that you are in that static charge and you're almost in a loop, like you're moving faster uh, uh, than light. Okay. And that you are somehow stuck in a tonal, this, this ringing of a tincture and seeing it and being, and become that and see the veil, see the, 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 the knowledge coming from that. See it as if it's yielding something wondrous for information about the, the, the constructs and reality of our universe. And that the people there are able to, to extract information from that. That would be huge. Um, Eric, someone's asking, what is the gas flicker effect? Um, I suggest that those of you who don't know what it is, go ahead and Google it. Maybe uh, somebody can spell it for them. I think it's G-A-N-Z-F-L-I-C-K-E-R. It's been around for a very long time. It is a strobing light that's both red and white. We recommend that you get some goggles or ping pong balls you cut in half, something that's frosted, and that you just simply look at the screen as it's flashing, and it begins to... It's a little bit difficult to, to focus on. It takes patience, but the biggest part is don't think that you need to stare and don't think that, that that you can't close your eyes if you get tired but the idea is to relax with the process but the trick is to build up enough stamina to focus it into to a direction or to allow images to begin to to come forward it can take a lot of time it depends on on you some people are able to see see images very crisp very quickly and other people it can take uh, quite a bit of time uh, for them to get through that. And usually that's because they're they're fighting the system to control what they're going to see. That's why you got to let yourself flow with it. But it stimulates a part of your mind that allows, you can say hallucinations, but I think it goes beyond that. Uh, I wanted to retouch on the jumping because I, it's huge. And I would hope that the jump groups um, get refocused, re-rallied, and uh, continue working on some projects that are science breakthrough related uh, is what I would request. Um, I also think, of course, politics are good, but I think that it's very hard to make everybody happy and people should maybe find projects or put a list of projects together and people can 
vote whether they want to do that project. And then when there's enough people decide if there's a good team there or not, and then contact them and say, we're going to go ahead and do this jump. Maybe that would be a better way than to have a group do a jump that is chosen by someone in the group. Maybe everybody has a list and people can go in and say, I will sign up for that jump when it happens, or I'd like to be a part of it. Uh, Be careful. Jump groups can be demanding and they like to do a lot of them. So, you know, set a limit, say what your comfort is, whether it's one a month or one a week or whatever whatever it is. Uh, but you can learn a lot from the people who do the jumps are quite knowledgeable, but back to the Gans flicker effect. When you, you do it, what I want you to do is to remember what it says about the tink shows. If you ever listen to tink shows, when they go together, you will have this, this kind of effect. If you really let yourself go, when you, when you see the Gans flicker, you want to imagine that you are, in a way, in a worm tunnel or a time portal, or you're you're in between two dimensions, okay? And you almost want to stay in that as if it's it's flickering and you're holding time in a in a spot where it's repeating itself within a tenth of one second in a loop, okay? Until it just simply bursts you out or moves you through it. And you got to be real calm and real relaxed with it and just, just move with it. But you can also apply where differently, this is like a different way of doing it. Like you're seeing something, like you're about ready to see through something and you're just waiting. You're waiting for it to begin to reveal itself, okay? And accept whatever it shows you, okay? Three is, you can imagine, like I was saying, with, with doing the Hedron Collider and you you imagine that you're standing in front of it, but it's a big burst. Work with the Gans Flicker. Make the first part of the experience something that would produce that kind of light, that kind of flickering. Okay. Like, like it's part of the experience at this moment and be, be relaxed with it. Just like, if you know, you're going to jump in water, you know, you're going to pop back up again. You're not panicking unless you don't know how to swim and you haven't done it before, but treat it like it's something that you you're okay with. So your body's like, okay with it. It knows what's going to happen in a way. And just focus on that. The other thing is you can use a Gans Flecker and you, if you can hold a thought or a desire, and there's a part of me that's reluctant to say this, you can use the flickering in a sense to hold your will to that desire as if you you are manifesting it to happen, whether it be on a person, place or thing. You, you just simply focus on that as if it's an expectation that it's just simply going to be. But we'll go more into that in Saroon or, or the classes if you guys want to really break that process down and get into the nitty gritty. Question from we have from the chat. Are there extra dimensional senses to be experienced and developed? And does this assimilation of new knowledge unlock new understandings? Well, look, there, there's it, it absolutely is going to unlock new knowledge. There's there's no question about it. The, the hardest part is getting through the comfort and the practice of doing it and not, you know, if you're upset with yourself, you just set yourself 10 steps back. If you feel like you did a session and you got nothing out of it, you set yourself 10 steps back. If you do a session and you got nothing out of it and you accept it as just part of the process and it's just like you you took a, five steps on, a, on a, a staircase, but you've got another 50 to go and you're okay with that, then you've succeeded because it's no more different than meditating or anything else. It, it is your expectation that is your greatest preventer. Okay, it's what limits you. It's what slows you. It's the 90 pound backpack that you're putting on your back instead of instead of being comfortable with it. And then it just disappears. Um, A lot of people don't realize that with the Gans Flicker, you can go to what is static sound. 
Okay. If you put headphones on, it's just white noise. And maybe at some point I'll, I'll, uh, I have put up white noise before in, in Spotify that I, it has to be the right kind of pitch. Uh, but maybe the staff will remind me and I'll look to, to put something together uh, if it's not up already. But if you listen to the right kind of static and you do the Gans flicker, you will hear conversations. You will hear words. You will hear, we it would be true to say that it can be one of many things. It can be time from a different time in the room that you're in maybe even from a different time period, it could be something going on in another dimension in this reality or another simulation and you're hearing it, or you may even end up slightly conversating. And I don't want to stress anybody into wackyville, you know, but what I'm saying is you don't want to strain when you begin to hear. Okay. You simply just want to be comfortable with it and not listen, but be aware. And it comes in clear. It's like listening to the tones. If you try to hear it, you won't make any sense of it. If you remove yourself from trying, because you're using your ears and it's not, it's, it's hard to say this, but it's like the tones. It's not really coming in from your ears, but in a sense, because you got headphones with static, it's, it's like fooling your, your audio, um, uh, vision. It's, it's to say that if you, if you, if you see the future, you see it in your mind. If you, you see it as, as visuals, okay? Some people see it as quick flashes. Some people see it as video. Some people see it zoomed in and they're, they're trying to get it to zoom out so they can understand what they're seeing. But nonetheless, you're, you, there is not audio. Uh, when you do audio, if you, if you try to hear it, it you're, you're thinking to use your ears and it, it, it's like it messes it up. If you use this other kind of, format to to hear it with you just you just become aware of it as long as you don't focus real hard on it you can hear it quite clearly in fact it'll come in better because you kind of learn this movement um but as soon as you you're struggling with it you will evade you okay uh two examples um i would give is um Sometimes, you know, if I'm in the bathroom doing my business and there's a, a fan going, there's white noise. It's not the white noise that is creating what you think are words or in some cases music. It's it's somehow the right pitch and the right frequency if you possess uh, audio vision, if you will. OK, like psychic vision, you your your mind seems to understand it can use this other portion of your consciousness to extract what would be considered audio. But because you you hear it, you you want to use your ears. You want to turn your head to, to listen better. And if you do that, it takes away from the effect. It, like, it evaporates. So there's this fight between wanting to use your ear to listen harder to what they're saying when in fact, what you, which will, will ruin the experience rather than just simply relaxing with the experience and, and just kind of letting it flow to you, just almost ignore it. But you're aware of what's being said. You can make out what's being said. But the second you try to hear it, it evades you because you're, you're using this ear. Your brain nervous system is wiring to the ear and the ear can't hear it. So you're using a different part of your consciousness that just seems like you're, you're hearing it. So there are times where where I've in the early days of me trying to understand this, I would hear stuff and I would try to do that and it would fade away. And then uh, other times I would treat it like a tone and relax with it and it would get really roaring loud. And I could hear clearly what they were saying. Um, so when you're doing the Gans flicker and you're doing it with 
uh, headphones that are creating white noise, what you're going to find is, is that sometimes you will see things and sometimes you will hear things. Sometimes you will see both together. Um, you know, there, there was classes that I did, I think it was in Arizona, where I did some live classes that I thought were very phenomenal. And the point was to make was to use a series of sounds to have that same effect. And people were seeing physical things in the room, people walking that weren't people that weren't there. They were hearing people singing that there was no monks there. Other people said, I didn't hear monks. I heard other things chanting or women singing. It was most beautiful and detailed and amazing. It's a lot along that same premise. Okay, um, so the Gans flicker effect is is like a static you're seeing that's in a pattern that's repetition, and because you're wanting to look outward, your mind eventually gets tired of seeing what its eyes, and it allows your third eye to maybe begin to open and see. The same thing will happen is that it gets tired of hearing the static, it gets tired of looking, but you're creating in a sense a reality. Remember what I what I say sometimes about. If God was the ultimate consciousness and the only consciousness, and, or you were a human being and you cut your, your, you were immortal, you can't die, you can't fade away, you can't anything, but you're in a human body, you have a nervous system, whatever, but you sever your spinal cord, your, your eyes are removed, you can't feel, you can't smell, you can't taste, you can't hear, but you're immortal, you'll never die. So, but you can get no stimuli of any way, shape, or form from any sensory. So in a sense, you're just existing in nothing, nothing. It is only a matter of time. And anybody who's been in detention in high school, okay, can tell you when you're really bored out of your mind, you start to, to drift. Your mind starts to go into daydreaming. And it can be very intense and very detailed in a way that you could say the simulation almost is God's dream in a weird way like that. But what I'm saying is, is that when you put the headphones on and you put the 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 gas flinger effect to affect your eyes okay and you're creating this static your mind is searching for stimuli and in essence it will either artificially create something like you're in a dream or b if you think about it in psychic terms and you learn how to to move your mind i often say I don't know if you ever see these globes that are within a globe and you, you try to move the globe to get whatever's inside the other globe that's moving around to kind of make sense when you turn it and you want it to all move in the direction you want, but it's moving on its own accord. It's like counterbalancing. That is the most brilliant way that I can say to you what it feels to me like what is going on. And it takes a lot of skill to really get your balancing and effect in your mind to get both of them to move at the same time. So you can get that direct experience of turning it so you can see whatever's in there and it's moving in a way that you want. But until you get good, it's like moving in this counterproductive way that's very frustrating uh, when we want to control it and you can't get frustrated with it. Am I just ranting now? Uh, yeah, but it's uh, awesome. Yeah, but it's um, awesome. I wanted to say uh, that what you were talking about with that class, that's Sedona, that it was the audio upgrades. And that actual video is all recorded that retreat. It's it's $5 on the site. If you go to higherbalance.com and you, you what, what do we, we, I mean, that was hundreds of dollars probably at the time. So it's yeah. a mind blowing class. Everybody should get it. If you because because what he's referring to is the audio upgrades. And if you click on audio upgrades, it's within there. It's like because it kind of teaches you how to do the audio upgrades. So we kind of included in there for five bucks. But, um, but they would have to get the audio upgrades also. Yes. 
Well, they're going to want to because the majority of what well, you're talking about that. Hanging. I don't want to make them feel like I'm baiting them to buy more. Okay. If they get that, they're going to be like, oh, well, how come I didn't get the audio with it? Now I have to buy that. Oh, I don't like higher balance. Transparency, Jesse. So what are what are the audio classes? What are they going for? For those particular classes that I had made? They're on sale. They're on I think they're $100 each. And yeah. So okay, but how much were we selling them before? We weren't ever, well, we weren't selling them. They were uh, something that you could only do. They in were person. exclusive. They were people yeah. used to come It was $100 to, to do one single session before. Okay, so now they're actually getting them and they actually own them for that price rather than coming out to our yes. place and listening to it in a headphone and not getting anything and going home. So that's why it's a better deal. Got it. Well, they're phenomenal. They're, they will train your mind to do crazy things. I think somebody was asking, can they use the, the audio upgrades with the Gans Flicker pick? The answer is yes, but hold on to your britches, okay? Because that's going to potentially open a whole next level, okay? Uh, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's what I was asking. I don't like to talk too much because I don't want people to think that I'm trying to sell them up. Uh, I want to reach out to people who would not normally have access to me for what they can afford. And I'm working real hard on that. I'm working in other ways to, to make uh, uh, finances so that I can give away everything I can for nothing. Okay. Support, support <laughs> Grant Medic. Anyway. A lot of uh, the common themes are coming across. Uh, whether we're talking about the white room, whether we're talking about meditation, whether we're talking about the Gans flicker and that it would be like surrender or letting yourself go into the flow. Um, so if I'm just new, if I'm just starting out, how can I start to practice and build up like that kind of skill? How does the meditation teach me that? Well, the meditation, first of all, through the foundation set, you're going to understand essentially energy. You're going to understand how to manipulate the nervous system of your body through doing a touch spot while you're meditating and where and how, why, why is very important for everything. You're going to, to learn to quiet your mind and understand and dissect what it is to have a verbal thought versus non-thought and understand how that works. Um, and you're going to understand the idea of prana, this kind of energy, the stack energy that you are drawing in, which is actually a food or an energy. And when you have enough of that, it is a fuel in a sense that allows you to do these things spiritually or psychically or to increase your experiences. So, but keep in mind, it's like 20 something years old and it was made with a little recorder and it was done in my house. And <laughs> I'm just too lazy to recreate a new one. So anyway, uh, we have a question from the chat. What is consciousness? What is consciousness? That's a very good question. I, I thought tonight was supposed to be an easy night. Um, look, you know, I could give you the blase simple answer, or I could try to simplify it into to, to something that I think is more respectful to the person asking the question. I think everything is on layers. Okay. So in order for me to explain something, let me, let me come at it this way. Okay. From my perspective. Okay. If you go into a graveyard, and you are not spiritual, not sensitive, not anything. You march through the graveyard and it's just gravestones and where, where people are sad and they've been buried and they, they are saying goodbyes to their loved ones. And it can be beautiful with trees and grass and people could be hiking or jogging through there. But it's a graveyard. It's probably, you can even be having picnics in there. That's what it is. To the person who goes in there, 
that's a spiritualist. It's like another layer and they could see and experience all that, but they may be recording people speaking that are ghosts and getting something out of that. They may be there at night and see shadow beings or illuminations or military people walking through there. And in their mind, those are ghosts and spirits and entities. In my mind, I would go in there and I see a place where people are, you know, mourning people and there's there's hiking trails and there's gravestones and it's a place of resting. And I can understand the ghosts and the spirits and I can understand the military spirits moving around or whatever and, and whatnot and why they're getting recorded stuff. But to me, there's a whole nother level. And that next level is to say that it's really just a layer in the matrix. It's just a, a portion or an area that seems to be able to allow reflectives uh, from another simulated reality period or a glitch per se that's leaking through and it's it's compounding or exposing itself into a lower dimension, meaning why sensitive people are seeing or having those experiences. And you don't have to be sensitive sometimes to see a spirit. People just, you know, freak out. So when I when I say that, there are different ways of of saying that intellectually what you can understand, what you're ready to to understand by your backstory or basically your education or what you accept as a true reality. If I say it's a simulation, somebody would say, well, what the flip is a simulation? Where where is it from? How does it function? Where does it where does it how does it all begin? So if you're going to ask me what consciousness is, okay, it's a loaded question. And I'm a serious kind of guy. Um, so the, 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 it's, a, it's a very layered question, okay? You, one could say that your brain collectively is creating what it thinks is consciousness, which I don't agree. Uh, I think that consciousness is from a source, we'll call it the white room, that is more or less projected into your mind. I don't think we're physically here where we think we are. And I'll, I'll propose something for you for a, a, a thought exercise. And in, in essence, I think that consciousness is projected from somewhere else. Um, it's like saying right now I'm talking to you in your home or wherever you are and you can see me and um, I'm not there. I'm perhaps a thousand miles away or several thousand miles away, but in a weird way, I'm right now in your room. So I think that consciousness is by a source outside of what we deem as our reality. OK, I think it's we are like a fingertip telling our big brain what's going on. But in this sense, we are in a physical organic body, much more complex, and it's telling whatever that other thing is collectively what we are experiencing. So uh, the thought experiment is this, when you are dreaming and you have a very complex dream, you are meeting people in your dream. You are talking with them. You may have somebody who's playing a guitar beautifully. You may have another person singing words that are lyrically perfect. You may have people that are dressed in different attire. You can see the ground, the gravel, each blade of grass, birds flying in the trees, sunlight and feel the warmth on your skin. You can have all these things, but the question is, is while you're in that dream and that's what you're experiencing, is that where you are? So. You, you know, this always goes back to the same thing, a dream within a dream within a dream. Where is the final end? Where is the, the final truth of that? Well, it's to say the same thing like in this sense. And I'm not saying this to freak people out. I'm trying to give you a, a better sense. 
that when I say Alisoni, all is one, I believe that you can be independent, but you're also part of a big collective. You're part of something. So in your mind, every person that you talk to in your dream, every conversation you have with another person and a female, a male, a child, an adult, and a senior citizen, dogs, cats, birds, every single one of them, theoretically speaking, are all generated from what we deem as your consciousness. The interesting part is, as many brilliant people in the world have learned or awoken to a huge breakthrough in their mind because somebody in that dream said something to them or showed them something that was the answer to the problem that they had been working on forever, such as Edison and, and, and even, I believe, Einstein has claimed certain experiences like this, where they didn't have that information, but somehow it came collectively, coercively together from the dream, from the, the personas in the dream, which are all of themselves. Well, if we are in a dream within a dream, hence another spiritual term okay then collectively there is one perhaps source or at least one source generating all of us and maybe there are other generations somewhere else being generated so i think that our consciousness is being manifested from a source outside of what we deem our reality i think we are connected to it just like the the personas that are in your dream that interact with whatever you identify as the main character being you but you you are all those other people and so we in a sense although we think of ourselves independently are alisoni part of one other thing we call it the force we call it God, the universe. We're okay with it. If you put it that way, it's, it's interesting how we get this knee jerk reaction when we, when we look at it with a different terminology or, or a different expectation. And this is again, expectations. It's our expectations that limit us in essence. Consciousness is something that is either coming through a super AI computer generating all of us and we're all NPCs or it's generating all of us and it's working on creating some of us to become self-aware, becoming independent programs that are self-aware, self-conscious, and in a sense, independent, but understand that we are part of that program, but we are independent and others aren't because they, they automate what I'll call the bread cells. Um, that maybe if we are part of this big simulation, whatever is on the outside, Maybe it's like Star Trek, that in Star Trek, you have uh, to say that you can manifest a an Android-like body, like Data, but you take a character from the simulation that's part of the program that creates independent awareness, and you download it into Data's brain, and Data now uses all the neurosystems in our dimension to interact with us in our reality, and maybe it gets so advanced that it doesn't even have a way to realize if it was never told that it's synthetic and not organically created like the rest of us were. Maybe it eventually creates an organic system that all of its synthetic parts begin to get replaced by organic parts, eventually making him fully functioning in an organic sense and in a sense human. Whew, all in a nutshell. So you're going to ask me about consciousness? Join Sarun and ask me at another time and I will break it down for two hours straight. That's awesome. Thank you, Eric. Um, along with that, would you say something like this simulation being a place for birthing of white cells, perhaps, in a way of speaking? Um, I, I do. Um, I think that you, the first part is you have to get to a point in your life where you can accept that we are in a form of simulation. I don't see it like the matrix from the movie or much of Hollywood's interpretation or through the interpretation of technology as we understand it. I think it's 
far beyond all of that. And I think it's quite beautiful to be honest with you, but I don't see it in a sense that it's un that there's no sense of God. What I can say is, is that people often say, you know, well, I need to know that God exists and God is good. And I would say, well, which God, the, the Christian God that allows churches to get blown up in, in hurricanes or cancer to happen to children or whatnot. It, you know, again, humans have this bubble concept of these things. I believe that there is a presence of, of energy and one has to turn to it in certain ways. And you, you get from it, what, what you kind of put into it. Um, I think that it is true to say, just like in reincarnation, which is, again, all these parallels just fit brilliantly if we're in a simulation. If you really think about it, if if you say you believe in reincarnation, it's it's to say, well, if you're in a simulation, yeah, reincarnation is feasible, just like a game reincarnating every time you die uh, and you get better and better. It's weird how there's, there's all these interpretations that can be really seen very clearly if you look at it through a lens of a simulation from a different viewpoint. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I think that. I think that the universe, as I have said for 30 years, um, created reality in a sense to become self-aware. In other words, it was lonely. It didn't have something outside of itself to experience or to convey with or communicate with. And it lost itself inside of its dream. It's like all of a sudden one day you're, you're this immortal, like I said, and you can't do anything. You start to dream. And in your dream, you're aware of yourself and you create all this reality. Let's say you create the whole fucking universe. You got forever. You do whatever. Maybe it's just a bigger, more complex being than what we are. Okay. But you create everything. And somewhere in there, you realize who you are you're doing everything you're doing everything you're doing everything and each time you go to sleep each night and you wake up and you create life whatever whatever and eventually one day you begin to forget who you are even though everybody is you so when you say that we are god or that that there's god in every person you see that's how i see things now I think that there is a portion. And when I say a portion, you have to understand that if we are all being generated from this consciousness, then for it to reawaken, hence another term, awakening, okay, in spirituality, enlightenment, to become aware, conscious, is not to think that it's an individual, which we often do, okay? It's to say that if you can get enough individuals, it creates enough wattage that there becomes a level of self-awareness. Those are white cells that you, you, you think of us as being many, but we make up allosome. Also, we make a different kind of allosome amongst the bigger allosome. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but we are a neural system within ourselves that is awakening. We, we are part of that awakening or self-conscious thing. We say all the time, we choose to work with the force. We choose to be conscious of the force. We choose to be the antivirus to the virus. We choose to be white cells in a reality that's constantly looking to be corrupted or destroyed by other influences. So our role is to awaken. And I do believe that if you can attain self-awareness, which everybody listening to this has, you, you, you're not some, some person who's asleep mundanely walking through life, although sometimes we feel like it, okay? But you are self-aware. You're questioning the right questions. And in so doing, you are self-reflecting, which means you are questioning who and what you are. And you are trying to interpretate, to feel, to experience that which is 
which is something that's not completely fully apparent. And you're building a relationship with that. You're, you're, you're strengthening it by thinking about it, by feeding it, but is thinking it, it is strengthening and it is awakening it because it is making it think more in this reality, in this dimension. It's like the characters in the dream, you begin to realize most of the people in the dream, those are just NPCs, but I am beginning to recognize other white cells in my dream and they're beginning to recognize me. Hence, it goes back to when I used to say, I know who you are, even though I don't know your name, even though I can't say what your whole life is or any of that, I still know you because we are of the same thread and we are all trying to synchronistically awaken at the same time. And if enough people can awaken at the same time, you will have another epoch, another awakening, another enlightenment level to humanity and beyond. Oh, maybe I had too much monster drink. I don't know. Maybe I should shut down. The people that are brand brand that comes to mind, what he's referring to is in navigatorhandbook.com. I don't even know where half this stuff is anymore. You guys know it better than me. <laughs> or you can also another good entry point is foundationmeditation.com. I don't know how many people on here are brand brand new, but I'm just going to put it well, out. Well, it'll get out to other people as they listen. I don't, I don't want them to think just because in the live class, we're not thinking about other people. We're thinking about you who may have arrived in a week in the future or a month or a year or more likely a hundred years. But I'm thinking about you. Along that same uh, line of questioning, when we're talking about the dream or the simulation, what place would the Mandela effect or deja vu have in there? Well, the Mandela effect. Okay, you know, um, Ray posted uh, an article where it was um, stating in there that the Mandela effect was something in regards to um, false memories uh, and stuff. And I, I seen it, but I was very busy and I want to go back. I had read that previously. Okay. And I thought, okay, well, he posted it, you know, maybe I'll, I'll comment on it. And then it just disappeared. And I don't want to rehash it out because then I'll be stuck in that conversation again and it gets old. But, you know, it, it's to say that. Mandela effect, it, I do think in, in many cases is false memory. We think we remember it a certain way, but it, it we just have it wrong. Um, it's to say that, you know, that uh, the character from Monopoly, uh, the, the little man guy, the old guy, you know, with uh, his whatever, he had a, 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 a monocle and it turns out he doesn't have a monocle. So uh, or it's it's stuff like that. Or just people will say Mandela died, but he didn't die and found out he died at a different time. They're like, no, I watched it on TV, yada, yada, yada. Now, that's all fine. Um, so they're saying, oh, it's all misplaced memory. That's all it is. OK, well, I would counter that argument. OK, and this goes back to Sinbad, who was this this Afro-American actor who played a genie. And a lot of people remembered it, but nobody could find any trace of it. And there was other characters who played a genie and stuff. And it started to become Mandela effect, Mandela effect. And everybody's like, no, I, I remember this clearly. I remember it clearly. I remember it clearly. But here's the thing. Instead of it never being found. It was found. They found the VCR after months and months. It was like on Reddit and stuff. Okay. And sure enough, he came, he used to deny it. No, I never did. He was embarrassed about doing the, the, the movie and stuff. And finally he, he came to and he says, yes, I did it. It's true. I'm sorry. I denied it, but blah, blah, blah. So he contributed to the hysteria, but all these people were beginning to, to question whether it was the Mandela effect and saying it was a Mandela effect. And then it turned out it wasn't the Mandela effect, but here's the, 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 the crutch in the crow. Okay. Or however that saying goes, is that if it was displaced memory, why did all those people remember it? And finally there was some proof that it did, did happen. 
and that legitimately their memory was correct. So all of their memory and all the stuff, everything else that may be involved, it's misplaced memory. I don't, I don't buy it. Okay. I think a fair share of it is, but I don't think all of it is. And the reason why I think there is a, a fair amount of that is, well, I think people in general can be a little dumb. Okay. And number two is, um, is basically is that I think the mind can play memory tricks on you. But I also think that the, the matrix, if you will, is much more complex than you can even imagine. It is extraordinary. And if it has the ability to, to create this, the, the scary part is, is that I don't see any reason why it can't scrub memory even. It can't do stuff on the fly. It can't move in time backward or forward if it was a big enough problem. So it gets very unnerving to even begin to, for someone's mind like mine, to start trying to, to kind of unravel the, the whole Mandela effect. Um, do things change in the, in the matrix? Yes. Let me, let me, let me throw something else at you. Okay. And, you know, I, I, I love science. So I started, you know, I do my fair share of what I'll call heavier science, not that I'm a scientist, mathematician or anything like that. I just do my best to try to understand it. So you, you have to understand there are legit theories of, of time travel. There are legit theories of simulation reality. There are legit proof in the pudding kind of stuff that are, are coming out now that's pretty hard to, to debate, okay? Um, so I think that all of this is, is, is fair enough to say that it's, it's becoming a, a pretty much a fact, not a matter of, of a maybe or kind of fictional. Um, it's just a lot for us to wrap our little brains around. What was I going to say? Um, I know they were talking about the particle back going back and forth in time, is which is what makes all the particles. Da, da, da. But there was there was something else in there that I found very interesting, and um, I can't remember what it is now. You're talking about Mandela effect, right? Yeah. Well, Mandela effect in and outside of the Mandela effect. What I'm saying is, is that, you know, if you're asking, do I believe in the Mandela effect? I do. I just, it's like Bigfoot. I don't necessarily buy into everybody's stories. It's like, it's like abduction from UFOs. I don't believe the majority of it is correct, but I do believe there's something to it. Now, what about uh, deja vus in regard to that same kind of simulation theory? Well, we, we know that the human brain um, can produce a deja vu effect. We, we know that in some cases it can be produced in a lab. Um, but I also do believe deja vus are very real. I mean, there, there are situations where even myself, I've been in deja vu moments. And I can I would say, you know, I, I try to discipline myself when I'm in a deja vu moment to try to start saying it what is going to happen or what is around the corner as I'm experiencing it. Because the problem with deja vu is usually you acknowledge the deja vu out loud after you've experienced it. And that could be a delay in the human brain's neurosynapsis of telling you that, you know, it, it like catches up. One part of you experiences it, but the part that processes it, it has to catch up. Remember that three second, uh, three tenths of a second delay. It's kind of like that, but it's it's like a longer delay. It's like your brain did a hiccup. On the same token, um, I think that deja vu is just a super short or somewhat similar in the sense of a, a seeing the future. I have deja vus that I still have because my brain is fragmented. And I mean that both in a good and bad way. Um, 
where um, I will have these memories of certain houses and the porch on the house and, and the yard and the sound of insects and the vehicle and certain smells of the, the oil from a, of a truck or something or a tractor. And then I'll have that flash through my mind over a decade, maybe six, seven, eight, ten times enough that I, I remember it, but I, I have no way to say where that place is. And then one day I'm off visiting someplace and boom, I walk around the corner. There it is. There's the moment. There's the car. There's the house. There's the field. There's this. There's the smell. Everything is there. But what can I say? Oh, that, that's it. Or, you know, it, it's 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 strange. Um, I, I, you know, so I don't know. I think people have to have these certain there are all there. You know, ah, I could go on forever. This is another two hour conversation. This is another Syrian class. Make notes. Oh, we definitely are. Um, uh, now, I know a number of us is, have experienced falling asleep, perhaps uh, doing some of the more intensive experiences. And you've also mentioned both in the forum and in several classes, that junction point between falling asleep and wakefulness. Is that relevant in any way to this process that we've been discussing? And if it is, could you expand on that? Well, you know, it, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing as um, there's a, a whole school of practice for astral projection with this and everything else. And the, the point is this, let's just break it down. I love simple. Okay. The simplicity is this. Okay. When you're asleep, you can dream those factories about your consciousness create an illusionary world sometimes. Okay. When you're awake, you're in the world now and you're self-conscious, you're more aware of yourself, or at least you have recall to a degree that's significantly better than you do in a dream world. Obviously, if you can find a way to get into the middle, the third stage, meaning half awake, half asleep, meaning you take the conscious part of your mind that still remains conscious, but you're entering that part of your mind that creates this dream reality and its complexities, but somehow you can become aware of what you're functioning and what you're doing, or maybe interact or even create phenomenon to happen in that place. So is there a usefulness to it? Yeah. Um, it, it's just a matter of, of how much of yourself that you can take with you to attain or do that. I would say this back in the day, I used to say to you guys to, to try to think about looking at your hand in a dream. And this is a Don Juan Carlos Castaneda thing. And that if you can bring your hand up in a dream and see it, or if your hand happens to move in a dream and you see it, there's something that will, will shift you. Well, that's that part sleep part awake. It's supposed to shift you so that you kind of semi awaken that you're in the dream and you're aware you're dreaming and you begin to become conscious of it. Okay. But seeing that tonight is being derailed. Thank you, staff. And we're not talking about Gans Flicker or other stuff. I'll try to make it into a Gans Flicker thing and bring us back. Okay. And that is when you're looking in the Gans Flicker, why not try to see your hand in the Gans Flicker? Even take it and put it up like that and bring it back down while you have the frosted glasses and the thing going on and just concentrate on seeing your hand and do it as an experiment. And while you're doing it, convince yourself that you're waking up from a dream. A uh, question from the chat. Uh, he says, I have a hard time doing the feels like mastery because when you are supposed to get a feeling to not jump in the water because it looks cold, basically, I don't get that feeling because I like cold water. Uh, I hope you understand. He's well, referring to the class that you taught in San Francisco where you showed the picture of the in the water and you yeah. showed the different tents. You like showed it in different tents to, to oh, okay. show people what it feels like. 
that's a whole nother conversation again. (laughs) What was that? That was like a whole weekend class. Um, I would have to save that conversation to get into it. I I could probably rant on for another 20 minutes just on that. Um, I appreciate it. And it feels like, but in a very small version, I mean, that class, when I showed the different levels of the water and the different colors and how the feels like of that changed, I would have to reproduce that whole class, but use something other than that water in order to have that person have that, that breakthrough. You know, I would probably say to that person to take a image of something that's relatable to him. If it's not cold water, then maybe something hot, like, uh, for instance, to imagine the, the Mojave desert at a 120 degrees and, Imagine what it's like to put your foot barefoot on that soil. Okay. And everything right now in your mind is brightly lit because it's sunlight and crack an egg on a stone and that egg's going to cook and it's 120 and it's really hot out. Now, if it starts to become a gray filter over that light and that image becomes more gray and it looks like there's a big cloud covering and stuff instantly the feels like, or the interpretation is, is you become aware that it's cooler and you don't get that sense of intense heat no more. Okay. If we were to darken it even more, it may even look like it's nighttime, even though it's just a filter on it, the feels like on it feels like it feels a lot colder there. And you start to reciprocate that a little bit in your chest center. All of this is something you feel kind of in your, your chest center. It's, it's a, it's another thing that I teach. And in essence, that may be a better way to try to understand feels like is that your perception of what you're seeing when you change the filter on it, meaning the intensity of the light represents something in your mind, uh, your neural system as to what you expect it to be like you get you can feel 2%, 5% in mimicking in your body or it reacting to that. And then it reacts differently uh, when you put a gray scale or a darker scale to it. Uh, Jesse, uh, uh, does that work for you? Does that, you know, I'm trying to do something on the fly here. I wasn't prepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, that's a whole class unto itself, like you said. Um, and we're at a hundred, we're at one hour and 40 minutes in. So I was just wondering, is there something else on the GANS flicker that you wanted to address or one of the other questions, or is, is that pretty much? Well, there was a, a lot more I could have went into, you know, um, I thought we were going to concentrate a little bit more, but we have a, a habit of doing that. I think we need to like lay out better questions or I need to spend more, more time with it so we can do these things and be more efficient about it and stay on track. Um, but I think what I have learned is a lot of people have a lot of other questions out there on uh, a lot of different subjects and, uh, you know, maybe I can do a whole series for free or something and, uh, you know, and tackle those things and, and share it with everybody. And, uh, hopefully, uh, people will want that. And we can see if we can do something like that, similar to what we did tonight. But as far as the Gans flicker goes, I would say the biggest part is to, to try to relax with the experience. Don't make it into a job. Uh, close your eyes. If you want to close your eyes, relax with it. Be okay with falling asleep. If you feel uncomfortable, I would take, for me personally, two Advil before I did the session, just in case. Or I might drink something that's going to give me a little bit of caffeine if I'm afraid I'm going to fall asleep. But you want to try to relax with the experience. and just flow with it. 
And that, as simple as it is, is really good advice if you want to understand experience. In a, a lot of ways, it's 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 it reminds me of doing a float tank when people have different experiences in the float tank. I think the best experience comes from the moment that you really let go the most. And Gans Flicker is again the same thing when you really, 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 really let go, but you're consciously still there. Uh, it's, it's like, that's when the moment happens when you do see the best things and to the jumpers out there, I, I hope they get reinvigorated and refocused because it's, it's, it's pretty important. Um, and if they can apply some of the stuff I said, that would be even better. Maybe, uh, if they want, if there's enough people who want to, to do that, maybe I'll do a special private class for, for free for those people who want me to kind of break it down or, or discuss with them, uh, my thoughts about how they're mapping that all out and what I might be able to contribute to that or not. So that's it. I think that's it. We're going to say good night. I hope everybody got something out of tonight. I'm sorry. We kind of jumped around a little bit, but, uh, trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. Okay. And remember cramp medic somewhere's in there, right? Medic. That's what's let, let me do these things. And let's hope we can continue doing them and get it for a friend, get it for a neighbor, get it for your mom and dad, your grandparents, whoever, whoever's got late. I'm telling you it works. If it's too strong for them. Tell them to cut it in half. Nice glass of water. And uh, uh, other than that, um, that's it. That's all I got to say. A lot of people ask us, where's the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the foundation meditation system. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at Higher Balance Institute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store, at higherbalance.com. When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat of the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the fabric and texture of the floor mat. I was small. I remember looking upward through the window, seeing the reflection of the glass 
of myself, a metal lining along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky moving by. I thought I could touch it, so I did, reaching my hand out the window to touch it. I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand and the warmth of the sun upon its back. it was at that moment I began to awaken, knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it, and the sun warming, soothing, healing somewhere in between I flew higher balance we think outside of the box a new kind of spirituality a new kind of meditation a revolution in consciousness Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio. 